0: Oh, here we go, Mark. And Off it's again it's with you. Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts. Is when you're on the air, and it's like therapy, you know. If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. You know, just tell your podcast. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? disturb you suspend all disbelief and open your mind step into the world of a nine-year-old boy whose soul is taken into the secret space program for 20 years undergoing specialized training scenarios fighting battles on other planets and even mating with extraterrestrial women then this 29 year olds conscious mind is in the blink of an eye returned to his former nine-year-old body with only seconds passing in our Earth time. Here to share this story with us today is Mike the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I'm Mystic Mark, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast.
1: My lab, which is a human-run abduction experience, basically an alien abduction experience in every single uh, parameter, but it's humans who, in this case, working for the Navy, running through Solar Warden that abducted me. At the time, the experience of the 20-year in back, and then the return. It's indescribable as living an entire lifetime and then being returned to the mental biologically mental capabilities of a nine-year-old child. We could all become a space tower and have individually, uh, UFOs basically, individual spaceships with the technology as it is now. Like like Han Solo and the fucking Millennium Falcon, you could just have the keys to it and be like boom. And like, you know, it isn't a big deal, it's not. We've been convinced that this, this advanced limit of our abilities but it's not it's just one of the many things we can do and i'm saying like we can make this world so good you wouldn't want to leave we can make this world so good you wouldn't have to leave like the idea that we're like the world we can fix they can cancel the apocalypse it is the absolute expression of some kind of quantum intelligent force and like you said, that just like how we view animals and we think life is cruel but that's nature And then that, that is absolutely the same governing principle between us and the most advanced Kardashev Four civilization that can power a civilization of trillions upon trillions across entire arms of the galaxy. And it's still run by the same impulse of existence, the same observational reality that governs your momentary actions with yourself, with your family, with your society. Mm. And it's like very much that we share that one spirit. And I feel like that's that's a big part of UFOlogy. That's a big part of this experience too. My persona is Beyond Top Secret Texan to run the Beyond Top Secret Tech podcast. My real name is Michael Viegas. It's not it's not, you know, hard. It's on the same page. It's just kind of like, you know, Beyond Top Secret Texan writing the Michael Vander Full name too. So it's not even hard to look me up. So it's it's not like a big deal. But yeah, Beyond Top Secret Text, you can call me Michael if you want to do the interview. Uh, whatever you exactly. So uh my, my journey to becoming a podcaster, to be Coming, uh, you know what this channel is. Was first to make YouTube videos and to enter uh, the journey of self-expression and uh, kind of getting out as a form of therapy. What I was already on the journey of remembering and experiencing as a contactee and lifelong abductee. And what I mean by that, I, I mean a survivor of the twenty and back. SSP which is reported yes in a very small population of you know survivors and ufologists but still a growing and ever more vocal uh, coherently vocal population of uh, people who have memories or are gaining memories of involvements in top secret space programs and secret societies that utilize extraterrestrial technologies, as well as assistance in various capacities, spiritual, what we would know as spiritual is really just a higher form of technology. What we know as a uh, reverse engineering is sometimes even given technology through treaties that certain groups have made with extraterrestrials and ultra-terrestrial populations of uh, terrestrially Terran earthlings, but they are coexisting slash competing with humanity and these very intricate power systems and structures. But as a survivor and having these memories, had to get them out or I was going to go crazy. So we started the journey on YouTube, but then immediately hit the censorship wall. And while fighting censorship over the last two years have created this uh, effective way of telling these stories and it's not stories these these truths which are the episodes the podcast format i found that being the best because you can't do as much in-depth on youtube they want like 10 minute uh, and would say bye perfecting the media of being a public speaker of learning how this community worked the ufology community what it needed what it lacked who was controlling it how the forces worked uh, after getting basically into it for the last two years, I have become the Beyond Top Secret Texas podcast, uh, the host, Michael Viegas. and exactly through interviewing uh, other creators and specialists, have, have kind of been able to keep myself a real human being who is currently still alive and thriving and living and learning and experiencing life, and yeah, as always a student, But also can say confidently say I'm a master of what I am a master of. My own experiences have led me to see things at an elevated level that I would say the layman, ufologist, or you know, much definitely the skeptic. And so that's what I bring. That's unique to the ufology field. What I would say is the Beyond Top Secret Texan experience, not only uh, the podcast, which I guess that you've experienced. I try to bring not only my own uh, information, but obscure, fringe, censored, controversial (laughs) information that's not mainstream, that is absolutely not mainstream, and, in fact, in danger of being removed from the Internet entirely in some cases. And this includes recently I uploaded over eight hours of James Casbolt's Sarah Rachel Adams, and Max Spears' UFOlogy presentations about the SSP and the Super Soldier programs that have been removed quite effectively from the surface web and only using already saved information that I had from old hard drives and uh, the Wayback Machine, Internet Archive, for example, basically a lot of Google Foo that, that I'm able to bring a lot of these things. I mean, I'm talking. I I publicly share videos or documentaries with less than a hundred views. That YouTube I know is sitting on a razor's edge, and all they have to do is press delete, and then that's gone forever. That audiobook, that Manly P. Hall presentation, some kind of gnostic and information or occult and vedic uh, video—it's all in jeopardy. So we have to archive it. One pillar of the of the show. Second pillar, interviews with creators, interviews, or they're interviewing me. I try to kind of keep this dialogue lively and alive. Uh, the third is my own presentation of my own experience, my own theories, very unique. And the fourth are the videos. I try to provide dark web videos. I try to provide uh, the rarest, most obscure, and the best high definition, <laughs> clear as crystal as I can get it. Uh, you know. Uh, Basically, just the best videos, just the best video evidence of UFOs, uh, cryptids, whatever I can find that challenges people, that, 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 that basically makes you confront that these things are more than speculation and dispel the myth that because we all have cell phones, that there are fewer videos available. And that's completely paradoxical to the truth. The fact is that more so than ever, we have high-definition videos of UFOs. We have high-definition videos of cryptids. We have high-definition videos of things you would call spirits or ghosts. And this accounts for a mountain of evidence that is conveniently being ignored or passed over by the majority of paranormal investigators in the mainstream because they want to keep you thinking there's one, maybe two videos a year that come out that you know we can really be like ooh ah about you know like ooh that that does kind of ooh we need to take you know but it's only a very controlled amount like gate kept amount and we really need to bring the power back to the people and with things like TikTok, Instagram, uh, YouTube for a long for a long time but I ceased uploading the YouTube and protest of their censorship and I just cannot ethically produce content for them to feed the machine, even though that's where I get, like, you know, majority of my content still from. Like, I still have to understand that that's an addiction the YouTube machine has turned on the own consumer, censored the creator, and, and choked the conversation when it comes to conspiracies, from all, all spectrums of conspiracies. And even talking about certain things risks absolute deletion and that's that's like 1984 orwellian like psycho like i'm saying like youtube is openly at war with anyone who disagrees with the narrative and then that at this point i can't keep uploading content there one because it risks the channel being permanently deleted it's already on a razor's edge and second of all like why would i ever add a single second of content that would Promote your advertising, or that you can use to keep in your archives. Like, see we and we have to start going third party. So I have like a library and an Odyssey account. I have like things that like I said. TikTok is a good way of finding these videos. But yeah, I do. Have, I still have like 500 YouTube videos. I still have like you know over 500 YouTube videos. Like I still have those videos out there for everyone to see. And if you join the Patreon and sign up for membership and things like that for my my, my, my uh, podcast, you get the exclusive, uncensored, highly controversial. Like, I mean, like, you know, where well, there's things that, yes, by all standards, nudity, uh, sexual violence, things like that, which are discussed openly when, when dealing with conspiracies, secret societies, the secret space program. On my program, I know for a fact just cannot, they're taboo. They cannot be talked about. Uh, as well as things about the UFO reality that go counter narrative to the mainstream, which would, you know, be very controversial, like human mutilations when it comes to alien abductions, human mutilations, human fatalities, humans being killed in these close encounters uh, are are being severely, uh, you know, attacked or wounded, mutilated, given diseases like cancers, rapid forming cancers, etc., as well as the uh, just basically total control over society that these secret space programs and the societies that operate the extraterrestrials from the very top down have on society. Uh, so I have to keep that behind the paywall. But say, for example, if you join the Patreon, which I offer. Uh, it's already been taken down once. So this is the kind of information that... No, it is actively being censored, actively being shut down, um, shadow banned on every single platform. So if you have to search I understand you have to use direct links sometimes and even then it's it's very difficult to find. You know, they actually won't let you see my content sometimes. Uh, like with the Patreon, they shut all that stuff down. So I had to build it back up. You will get a link to my Dropbox, and a Dropbox is a personal folder where I keep all my evidence. Mm. So just for the, the minimum donation of the Patreon, you can get access to my personal research folders. I'm very open with my information. You can join my Telegram group. Uh, just look it up. Beyond on top to get on the Telegram. Find personal videos, archived video, uh, UFO videos, high definition. Everything I watch, you watch. It's linked up that way. Whatever I'm clicking, it's, it's immediately sharing uh, straight to that Telegram chat. So you basically are, are seeing through my eyes as I'm researching. And, you know, I'm tr- that's the kind of thing I'm trying to do is provide as much uh, open source evidence for other researchers as well as providing a very uh, mature conversation about these things mm-hmm. that I think that the community really deserves and hasn't really ever had. I hear you, man, and wow, wow, great. wow! Uh, maybe great. Bill Cooper, maybe Bill Cooper. Alex Collier, definitely. Uh, mm. Alex Collier in his later days was very much like my big inspiration. Now, uh, well, let's let's go back
0: to the beginning because you you gave us a lot of information there, and that's a hell of a summary and. I definitely hope folks go and follow up with all of that. I will put links in the description of this episode, so it'll be very easy, hopefully not difficult at all for people to go and subscribe. But let's go back to when this started for you, because I've heard similar experiences in many different ways. But was, was there a moment in your childhood where there was maybe missing time, or is this something that came to you in your older teenage or adulthood where you started to have these sort of... Um, memories that would come back. Is that true to your story or is that just a stereotype for these sorts of things?
1: No, my story begins when I was nine years old during a MyLab, which is a human-run abduction experience. Basically an alien abduction experience in every single uh, parameter, but it's humans who in this case working for the Navy running through Solar Warden that abducted me. At the time, The experience of the 20 year in back and then the return, it's indescribable as living an entire lifetime and then being returned to the mental, biologically mental capabilities of a nine year old child and having the effective memory wiping that they already do through chemical anesthesia and basically a lot of ultrasound surgery into the mind itself. But so you are effectively memory wiped as they have taken you from your timeline, let let you live 20 years, basically in an outside time uh, time, uh, deviation, and then returned you to that moment where they took you, took me, and then returned me into my very bed moments after this had occurred age regressed back to my nine-year-old form and there is some discussion between survivors who have gone through this experience whether or not they just clone you when you're nine and then take that clone and let it age and then transfer your personality back into your original body or just kill the clone and thus you just wake up afterwards in your original body and there's a lot of discussion how this physically happens um it's like a, a, that's the conversations that exactly like i am currently having with the community uh trying to find the truth this but that happens a lot where are 20 year and back experience is a human-run program extraterrestrials might be involved like the greys or say the reptilians uh very commonly reported uh various alien encounters mine were the venusians of the asher high command but exactly when i was returned this felt like an amazing dream This felt like an experience which I couldn't quite understand or experience. So I had the memory my entire life, but had to live and ultimately suppressed all of these UFO sightings or or what I would now know as abductions or repeat abduction experiences, sleep paralysis, bright lights, missing time, waking up in strange places, seizures later on in life, Uh, but even then joining the the military and the Navy and then Uh, going to school in a very acclaimed university, full paid scholarships, which is a very indicative of a government uh, type oversight where they're grooming you or handling you as if though it's also part of a reward system for these various involvements, right? So I was a very regular person, very in the system person very agnostic, very open-minded, very weird, but always very eccentric, but you know brilliant. Um graduated college within 4 years full paid scholarship that uh, you know that's I then joined the military and became an aviation electrician worked on F18s for 4 years. I am not someone who's prone to delusions or fantasies or someone who would be in the situation where I currently am having been forsaken and basically exiled by that mainstream community for endorsing or exploring or even giving my my endorsement to these things. Whether you say in public, I believe in UFOs, they think you're from, you know, Mars, you know, exactly. If you want to bring up like uh, the reality of things, I was a salesman for almost like 10 years. I made like 50,000, dollars a year just on commissions. And I gave up all of that to pursue full-time UFO truth and research. And most of that was because when I I couldn't keep silent about it. And so I'd be talking about, hey, do you guys believe in UFO? Have you ever seen a UFO type thing like that? And I became known very fast as the UFO guy, as the Fox Mulder type, the spooky guy. And that basically made me see that society one needs people to bite the bullet and because it is a sacrifice and and you know follow their passions when it comes to this kind of subject matter when it comes to truth but also that yes definite pushback definite conspiracy of silence definitely conspiracy of us versus them of the normalcy of, of conditioning of uh hypnotic suggestion in society the m.k. and tv like people have all people have opinions and it's they use the worst in human nature to enforce these shame codes and these these weird mind matrix prisons that's what i'm saying like you can't be like i was a salesman for all my sons moving in storage while while in your mind you like liberate yourself from mental slavery you see it's all chasing money it's all they're telling you to shut up and just go back to work and, and keep your head down and don't look up that's the like you know like, i i the dawning moment it came in 2017 when when I was trying to bring up this Skyquake phenomenon to one of my coworkers, and no matter how much I try to explain this and show them YouTube videos, and it's just a simple phenomenon of like unexplained thunder and roars or horns coming from nowhere, uh, that was a big phase back then when there was just like hundreds of these sightings all over the world. They were on the news and people were and I was like, Hey, have you heard about this? And I was showing them YouTube videos. And they they just could they, it it's like they couldn't care less, and I was like, I was like, this is not the like this is not the future. This is this is the dark ages. This this is living in a world where people are intentionally ignorant to all extraordinary things. So when you're when you're when I was personally doubting and afraid of being like maybe maybe I didn't get abducted maybe it's all sleep paralysis the skepticism was was a was I realized like you had to be re, I had to be reborn again I I, I I I'm not so serious about it but yeah like I had to become Batman vengeance you know and I had to become a knight no you have to kind of assume this persona which is beyond, beyond secret text, and you can't do it half ass you can't do it you know. Uh, you have to commit you have to be like no I, I need i'm needed in the world Like the bad signal shines they're like yes it's like wherever there's ufo is very i'll be there and like no you have to kind of uh, do the gnostic alco- alchemical self-transformation and become your own legend and like yeah it cost me all my uh, career, my savings, my, my, my relationship at the time, and all that because I was just too weird for everybody. I was, I became ungovernable, I became uh, unable to be compartmentalized or defined by, you know, like tr- Trump supporter or liberal or things that they want to always keep people talking about. This transcends it UFOs, aliens, the secret space program. When you spot like the truth, that's a conversation people are are like, it is it. it they literally cannot see the big picture. They literally are blind to uh, the world that they are living in. But yeah, that that's basically how I got here. And it was it was a long lifelong journey. I'm 35 years old uh, right now, and it it was a long journey. And I look coast to coast. I am helped me out a lot. Uh, like I said there, like I said the, the talk the speakers like Bill Cooper the, like, his mystery Babylon series that that was incredible. like I said like having YouTube having having avenues to be able to binge and, and explore and educate myself really helped out because there is no way not, nothing in the system that can educate you uh, appropriately enough or educate you enough to start making sense of these things basically, the only framework is spirituality and the occult for those who aren't, you know, it's, it's either or, but it's both that it's, it's science fiction. That's why I, I label my podcast science fiction, because, you know, fiction, it's, it, it, that word, science fiction, we think it means fake, but it actually it means what's real. Like you got to see the doublespeak. You know, you got to use it and embrace it because it really is that. Like they say, it's science fiction because that's science fiction. That's the facts. It's like if that's the world that they use. It's, for you, it's science fiction. For them, it's real. And then you start thinking about because I'm not a dumb. Or I, I'm the kind of person who really scholarly approaches things. I'm not just gonna say something and not think about it. Uh, the phenomenology of what is real and what's not real has been absolutely controlled by the symbolists and language, the magicians, the gematria and things like that, like the, the reverse speak and albums. Like, it language is a, a very weird occult thing, and the way we think linguistically and mathematically, like, that that is... That's, that's the bars on the prison. That's the ones and zeros when the Matrix title screen is going up. And they, they even show you it's like Chinese letters and things like that because everyone is in a cultural mind prison. And it's all based on languages. It's all based on uh, things like calling them UFOs is a loaded and charged word. Calling them UAPs is also a loaded and charged word people who call them either UFOs or UAPs are two different people, and, and they are they want to make as many small camps divided by as many small languages and, like, uh, Tower of Babel-type things, you know, where mankind is just kind of cast into confusion. When we start speaking all the same language, then we can all start seeing the world the same way and start working to one goal, which is uh, basically getting you know, out of here, furthering our progress, we can all become a space power and have individually uh, UFOs, basically, individual spaceships with the technology as it is now. Like, like Han Solo and the fucking Millennium Falcon, you could just have the keys to it and be like, boom. And like, you know, it isn't a big deal. It's not. We've been convinced it's that it's this advanced limit of our abilities, but it's not. It's just one of the many things we can do. And I'm saying, like, we can make this world so good you wouldn't want to leave. We can make this world so good you wouldn't have to leave. Like, the idea of we would leave the world, we can fix, we can cancel the apocalypse, we can correct the world, we can recreate it however we saw it fit. We could uh, provide uh, just almost, you know, limitless amounts. It's post-scarcity. It's a post-scarcity reality. We're already at Kardashev 1. We just have to do it. We're being limited right now by these corporations, by these secret societies, by these very secret space programs at the behest of extraterrestrials. That is who's limiting us. That is who's really trying to keep the secret. And if I kind of reinforce that point, the Israeli Space Force leader came out, and disclose the fact that the Galactic Federation of Lights a real thing. All nations work for them and are operated by figures in their societal power. And they are the ones enforcing the code of secrecy, not any human power. Humans are just following the orders of secrecy. That is the idea that mankind is not in control of their destiny. That needs to be talked about. And... Whether or not this isn't a test, some kind of test to see if mankind is going to break their chains, and mm. going to become, uh, you know, to, to become their own Prometheus, to steal the fire from the gods themselves. And if this is a physical manifestation of the alchemical transformation that became mankind's enlightenment that began during the Gnostic quests of the very first, like Archimedean. Uh, Greek, you know, like you know, that kind of Atlantean type of of, of brilliance or genius. Mm. That kind of genius Kai. Right. You know, and that that we're we we're, we're it's like we're I don't know. We need to wake up. Like we're to sleepwalking. Like we're to sleepwalking like as a society, as a people, as a species. And that, that it's not everyone, it's just billions of people are. And the truth is, hundreds of millions live off-world. Hundreds of millions of human beings live in, on the hollow Earth. They live in different breakaway civilizations. And they view us the way we view, like, India. Like a third world, like, we're, like you know, we're like, man, they have to, like, poop in the street? That sucks. Like, they don't even have toilets. Like, damn. I mean, like, we look at that and be like, how could a civilization be in the modern world and still be so racked with poverty and still be so backwards and, you know, like, like stricken by their superstitions and then locked in their ancient ways and traditions? You know, like, when we look at this, stuff like, they have a caste system? Man, that's crazy. Like, how are they conquered? They have a billion people. Oh, because they lack technology and, and like, uh, modern war strategy, you are know, like, that's how they, who are a smaller population, but are dominating us in every other aspect, look upon us as an overpopulated, yet in squalor, impoverished society. Mm. Oh, still likewise human beings, but just as foreign to us as say starving people in uh in Liberia are to Americans. Like culturally, we think, why do you guys live in a junkyard? Like why why a landfill? Like you guys just live in. You all have AIDS, like you all have HIV. That sucks. Like, like wow, like you guys didn't figure out how to survive in the modern world. Like, clearly you're the victims of somebody's exploitation, and you know, like you're you're more pathetic than you are, you know, equal to us. And this breakaway civilization who inhabits Mars, the Moon, uh, various extraterrestrially given crafts that operate like flying cities, mothership space stations. These these SECRET COUNTRIES AND LOCKED AWAY IN THE DEEP STATE GOVERNMENT and THINGS, THEY LOOK UPON THE AVERAGE DAY PERSON IN AMERICA, ENGLAND, and EUROPE, and uh, CHINA, FIRST WORLD PEOPLE, THEY LOOK UPON THEM WITH THAT SAME PERSPECTIVE WHERE THEY'RE LIKE, MAN, YOU GUYS KNOW NOTHING AND YOU GUYS ARE MESSING UP ALL BECAUSE OF THE LACK OF KNOWLEDGE. The lack of knowledge is letting you guys die with their life expectancy is so short. You guys are having preventable diseases like cancers. Uh, you guys are basically stuck in the Stone Ages. And, and, you know, they're not like we don't intervene or help out as much as you think with these impoverished third world countries that have literally almost a billion people combined that make less than a dollar a day. They don't intervene directly with us because it's the same thing. Like, just because it, it's your misfortune, none of my own. Mm. And that's the kind of brutal reality that, like, all extraterrestrials and all human beings, because it's the universal brutality, it's the universal kind of material 3D viciousness mm. that we all like. You know, how everyone has a Fibonacci sequence, and the Fibonacci sequence plays out in all things. And it's just like, you know, constant, universal, constant. The, the actions of intelligent beings, the progress of intelligent beings, and the populations, et cetera, out from the personal, from the micro, from the moment to the to the to the entire history of their existence, is not a mystery. It is the rep- repetition. It is the absolute expression of some kind of quantum intelligent force. And like you said, that just like how we view animals and we think life is cruel, but that's nature. And then they that, that is absolutely the same governing principle between us and the most advanced Kardashev-4 civilization that can power a civilization of trillions upon trillions across entire arms of the galaxy. And it's still run by the same impulse of existence the same observational reality that governs your momentary actions with yourself with your family with your society Mm. and it's like very much that we share that one spirit i feel like that's a that's a big part of ufology that's a big part of this experience too and so yeah my perspective is very much uh unique in that angle you know i try to i try to connect a lot of dots i try to uh, work at it from a lot of angles
0: right wow so take us back if you will because it I mean you really painted a picture there and I, I understand this concept of non-intervention and it is sort of unsympathetic seeming like all oh, these you know alien beings have all the power to save us and they don't they must be you know being like tough parents on us, right? They expect us to, you know, get out and make it on our own. But how much of this information that you've, you know, displayed here, and obviously there's still so much more that you know that we haven't gotten into yet, how much of that comes from these memories that you're sort of, because if it's, if my understanding is correct, this experience happened, you go 20 years in the future, you come back at what seems like the same age, but there's this immense amount of time that's been spent in what to an earthling who's never left the the earth in this way seems like maybe an hour or a day or even just a few mere seconds. Do you think like this extended time is where you learned a lot of this stuff is there sort of an education that's kind of like lying within the surface and and listening to coast to coast and things like that sort of remind you of these things how does that work
1: it reminded me basically like how you just described the end of it Mm. the memory was suppressed through the 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 sheer kind of pollution of day-to-day living when you're reliving your life right and and i'm not above hypnosis. No one is. No one's about propaganda. No one's immune to that stuff. So over time it's suppressed and it's hopefully and the the whole Illuminati's operation with entertainment mistaken or confused for uh, entertainment like uh, Halo, uh, Star Trek, Star Wars. Those things are intentionally filled with realistic and, and real um, kind of symbols and, and program names and things. There's shows like fringe X-Files. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I'm having a sore throat. So um, when people are trying to remember, like I was trying to remember, it becomes a battle with the self, an eternal battle between what's real and what's not. Now, the thing is, people are not experts on the phenomenon of memory. Right. And I, you actually have to study and learn. And the way I started learning about this was studying MKUltra, was studying the government's projects when it came to memory, uh, falsification, the fugue state, the exploitation of the fugue state, things like scopolamine and drugs that would uh, block memory, but also create a state of walking zombification and things like that. So, as I was learning about this, I was going through self uh, induced and pioneered uh, hypnosis, uh, a hemisync, a lot of hemi sync, a lot of um, sensory deprivation, deep meditation, like uh, remote viewing, astral tra- projection. I was really getting into that. And I started literally unlocking memories and unlocking things that I thought at the time were visions of a world that was happening, and I was having visions of it. This is in my late 20s, right? So I was already a Navy veteran. I had already been uh, medically retired for having seizures after a very pronounced UFO contact, right? And I said, I have a lifelong experience. So a lot of these things were in conjunction with these real-life UFO experiences. Seeing UFOs in the sky clear as day, and then that basically uh, creating like a I, the, the parallel two lives, which is this life, seeing UFOs, being in what people would call the secret societies. Uh, and as I say, very, people would openly call secret societies Order of the Nine Angles, uh, Knights of the Golden Circle. Uh, these were just a few of the groups that I don't like to advertise because they're so controversial and the actions done. I don't really. Uh, you take responsibility for it because there's a lot of like into that when it comes to ritualized uh, like hypnotic mind control, sleeper agent type shit. I think it's another world, right? But going into that, this doesn't make it, at this time, I was you know able to accept that information. I'm able then, that's not the craziest fucking thing I've ever heard that these programs exist, right? And I had been hearing through William Tompkins, uh, Bill Tompkins, great uh, uh, discusser of that, like Carrie Cassidy's Camelot project, the basis program, uh Thomas Casbolt, Max Spears, and Sarah Rachel Adams specifically, those three speakers have produced the most influential, I think in my opinion, uh the 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 most influential confessions or uh, uh like interviews, presentations of this information of their personal experiences, right? And and this was allowing me to come to terms with it and see, allow myself to remember what I had suppressed, not forgotten completely, but suppressed. It's a completely different phenomenon. Like I said, many people are not experts on memories. There's a difference between amnesia and not having memories and suppressing memories, which a lot of people with PTSD, a lot of people with trauma can attest to. Uh, Very conventionally speaking, You wouldn't think it, but there have been people like Vietnam veterans or recent Global War on Terror veterans, which I am one, uh, that have completely come out. and changed the game when it comes to what PTSD can cause your mental states to believe happened or or imagine. Like like what you can suppress, you would be surprised. And that includes killing human beings in combat. You don't even remember doing it. Like things like because you're on this instinctual autopilot, like, you know, out-of-body state type. But the Akashic Records hold those memories. And that was a big part of it, too, looking into the Akashic Records, learning how to access these things. But, yeah, the, the information I have now, that I have learned now, doesn't all come from these experiences. Making sense of it does. Making sense of it, having those experiences, that's independent And at the time the the mental state that i was in i compare now to slavery i compare now to transhumanistic slavery military indoctrination like starship troopers like and that's what solar warden really is it's a cult based on knighthood that operates in elements and with advanced technologies that are in secret and in completely above top secret. You know, there's a book called Beyond Top Secret, where I get the name of my podcast from. Beyond Top Secret about a international space program that's beyond top secret because it uses reverse engineered extraterrestrial technology and the uh, uh, assistance of extraterrestrials in terms of science officers, uh, you know, non terrestrial pilots things that have been, say, for example, found by Gary McKinnon during his hacking of NASA. Uh, the the speakers, uh, you know, I'll always talk about the underground bases. There are bases in the ocean where they run these facilities. There are networks of tunnels that span all across the world that, you, that connect these things, that the governments and the politics that are being told to people are all theater, all theater. And the truth is, that society is basically being run by a very elite group. It's mostly automated through the use of supercomputers and uh, the powers of bureaucracy to be able to distance themselves, uh, basically being, like, written off by private industry a lot of times by the truth that our society fundamentally is not what it looks like. It's a corporation. It's owned by the Rockefellers, who then are in trust with the Rothschilds who have $800 trillion. They don't need a cent from you. That's the big thing. All our taxpayer dollars get funneled up and it becomes this black budget. They're going to find the paperwork and it's $3 billion. Uh, no, no, we have $3 trillion. Where do they account? They don't need a, They have $800 trillion in private resources. None of this leaves the family. That's what I'm saying. Like These families can literally operate like they have for thousands of years. If you're not a Habsburg by blood, you are not a part of the club you uh, the Club of Rome the the, the 300 G, you know whatever you want to call it the Illuminati literally is a very very um, already at this point not even probably purely human at you know theoretically it has been talking about the tall whites that uh, it's not run by humans even at that element uh, not pure humans. The discussion of what means human starts becoming here, like the inclusion of crypto terrestrials, other intelligent beings from other animal kingdoms, from other species that are as intelligent as human beings, with as powerful societies living on Earth, co- coexisting or competing and living amongst us. That's a big part of the secret going on right now that humans are not the only game in town. We're not the only species that lives on Earth, and most of them are human. It's just different subspecies of humans, the same as ants. That ants have hundreds of thousands of different variations of ants, distinct enough to classify them as subspecies. They're not related. They can't breed. They have highly different evolutionary paths and niches and specializations and live in various geographies all around the world. They don't come into contact with each other. That's just the brilliance of life. But they are all genetically ants. They're all more commonly close to each other than they are of any other thing. They are basically the same, 99.9% the same. But it's that 1% that makes them an entirely different species that may cannibalize other members of the human race, that may vampirize the other species of the human race, that may parasitize. The other species of the human race, just life cycles, variously controlled by Earth's own evolution. Like I said, the Fibonacci circuits of evolution. When has there ever been one of any species? Never. It's not the case. And the highly successful species, the more of those species there are. Uh, you know, and that's just the type of thing where that's the information that I've gathered now in this timeline.
0: Mm.
1: Like I said, uh, I was taken first when I was nine. Um, I was taken to Solar Warden through the Navy, but when I was nine, I was basically tapped. I was volunteered against my will, but at the same time, volunteered because I wanted to be uh, for an exchange program with the Asher High Command, and specifically the Venusians of the Asher High Command, and recruited, my memories are being nine, recruited to live in an academy on their ship educated by their teachers in their ways to try to develop psychic skills across a multitude of intelligent species that all juveniles that were raised in this academy until the age of 14 I was then forced to come back to earth to help defend it when Earth's solar system was attacked by Orion Draco I go in depth on episodes are already talking about this I've already but this is the kind of uh, summarized version of it from 14 then to the age of 29, full-time service, various capacities, various duties, cross-trained. There are very few uh, um, relatable type, like, you know, like, oh, this was what I did all the time, because it's just so varied, involving the occupation of Antarctica, helping fortify and secure that once the Orion Draco invaded Antarctica. Uh, there was hollow earth and, and and combat with the Aztecs that lived down in Brazil and these various catacombs and caverns. They live all across North America in the Western Hemisphere. these Aztec mines. There, are, there was underwater training and a lot of uh, submersible-like type training and diving, deep-sea diving, deep-sea maintenance because there's a lot of colonies that the Navy runs in conjunction with solar warded underneath the water as manufacturing centers, things like that. It was just one of those things that, It is a multitude of things when I say twenty year and back. It wasn't uh, merely one thing that I did for twenty years. Like I want to make that. Like I didn't do one thing for twenty years. There was like these multiple memories and events as I aged, as I progressed, as I was initiated to higher ranks. I've always, like I said, in in the incarnation, been uh, exceptionally bright and athletic. That has helped. That obviously helped. And and the initiation progress, it was incredibly quick uh, to go through a lot of these ranks. But just like the Masons, just like the Freemasons or any other mystical uh, occult society, there's orders and there's initiations and rights and different duties and responsibilities. So it's it's in the organ structure of the system itself to constantly be changing. One year you're doing this, then you do good enough to do something else the next year. And it keeps going into that constant... A right. uh, big changing kind of path, now, right?
0: This is a this is an important question that I hope you can help me understand, or at least, you know, if there's no answer, that's fine. But when it comes to living on Earth, we understand there's a certain entropy that causes aging, this sort of cell breakdown. What is going on in this environment, whether it's in outer space or in these, you know, under ground bases, underwater bases, even, you know, vehicles that are traveling through space. Are there certain measures taken to protect your cells so that when you're, you know, sort of this time has elapsed, like you're not like an old man or something? Or or did that indeed happen? Did you experience some sort of physiological symptoms from this 20-year lapse?
1: Uh am not physiologically, mentally, yes. And I credit a lot to what you're seeing now and who I am now to the fact that I'm effectively 20 years older mentally than the average 35-year-old uh, human being. If given chance to, to evolve naturally, a human being would be 35 years old. And now I'm like basically a 55-year-old man in a 35-year-old's body. This was the case when I was nine, being a 29-year-old man in a nine-year-old body in terms of thoughts, desires, urges, memories, uh, like the idea of perspective, like coordination and knowledge. And that's why, like I said, I went to Texas a and University, TAMU, which is the number two university in Texas, but I had a scholarship anywhere I wanted to go in the country because I was that my grade percentage was that high. I could have gone to Harvard I had a scholarship to Oxford in England. I could have been a Rhodes Scholar. Like any school university in America would have accepted because the grades were already there. It was like one of those packages. I had like no uh, denial letters from any school I had sent to. and I chose that because of convenience, but also the tradition of, and I liked that school, right? And But the idea there is that I did that because I wasn't a normal 18-year-old. I was a 38-year-old mentally. And taking high school classes. So I took the SATs. I was mentally a 38 year old man. Like the idea now, I'm a 50, like mentally. Right. And they explain that. And obviously, there's really no way of explaining that. But, you know, there is a very pronounced understanding of like you know what i'm able to think about and what i'm doing is not is not average i understand that i understand
0: i will give i will give credit to that man because it's it's very rare that someone is able to recall as much information as you have just in this one conversation and like i said i have tuned into your show and yeah it's impressive man I, i i definitely see uh proof for what you're saying just in who you are Now, when it comes to the age, so when you're in this, let's call it for lack of a better term, other reality, are you a nine-year-old? Are you an adult man? Is it like your spirit vessel, your astral body, maybe, for lack of a better word? How exactly you know, is this taking place? Or are you just aging from 9 to 29 and then you go back with the intelligence of a you know, 29-year-old, but you sort of reset your
1: body? That last part is, is accurate. Mm. You basically summarized what I have, what is effectively the reality of it. Mm-hmm. The, the specifics, as you mentioned before, up to debate. There are different people in the community that talk about different things. Dark Fleet survivors dark fleet 20 and back like tony rodriguez for example uh talk about being cloned there's a lot of cloning there's a lot of uh tr- spirit transfers in the clones like you become a clone but they can put like a shard of your spirit and then that spirit grows and so you're seeing the memories of that clone solar warden doesn't do that as far as i can tell and the experience that i have you start at nine and age and and the in the, in the average biological growth of a human being—it's not based on solar cycle, right? You are 20 years affected time, whatever that is. Yeah, you know, you're not going light speed. This thing—we're not traveling. We're only staying high Earth orbit, the Moon, Mars at the furthest, uh, like Jupiter in the in the asteroid belts. I have memories of those places at the furthest, but that doesn't require uh, light speed enough to make like an interstellar where it's like 10 minutes here is 50 days or whatever over there. And like, you know, Oh, we're going to, we're going to be 80 years old by the time we get back. Our family's going to be dead. No, like you are nine. I was nine. I, I keep saying that second person. I am nine when I started this and I ended at 29. I ended at 29. Now through this process, uh, dealing with extraterrestrials, dealing with warfare, dealing with the actual life uh, of living in Solar Warden and the growing pains of human psychology, cybernetics, implants, training, and the greater purpose of, like, the, the zone that you're in, you are still effectively, yes, growing up, growing and living your life, teenage years, all of them, teenage years, into your 20s, but by the age of 29, you are an old trooper, you're an old man, mm. you are like very distinct. Yes, they use children, child slaves, they use child soldiers, they use child. Uh, there's a, they only use them in the late teenage years for actual ground combat. But the younger, the better, because mm. the there is very little more you can do physically than when you're very young. Imagine the high school football team type attitude, but with cybernetics and the, the kind of gung ho mental uh, brainwashing that goes on. As I said, like you live your life by the end of your twenties, you you probably have amputations from more uh, wounds, probably replaced with cybernetics and, and prosthetics. You have, uh, has sex with at least a thousand people. The big part of it is the idea of this um, this erosion of connection through orgies and state uh, sanctioned like prostitution through as ward uh, for for deed and they basically control everyone through their ID and like these various uh, commodifications of like human contact and touch and even things like like you could I know for a fact you could save up it basically points for certain perks like more affection with sex like you actually get to like spoon and sleep together with another human being as being more coveted than just like a blowjob or oral sex or, you know, something like, like the idea of commodifications of like just simple things like eye contact or like, you know, praise and things like that. That's how, you know, brutal it is. It's it's not, and yes, it's based on nightly orders. It's based on um, asceticism, denial of, of urges and pleasures, uh, just... Uh, You know physical fitness and power strength uh, mental agility competition sadism uh you know absolute masculinity uh you know make very much and it's all controlled and manipulated by much more intelligent beings that's why ai comes constructs the officer class are in 80 year and back so they are in an 80 year back cycle and basically preserved in their later years just so that they can mentally, you know, be used for strategy and administration and things. But it's mostly AI now. It's extraterrestrially run as well. The Venusians oversee all of Earth and the Ashar High Command. And there are over a dozen races in the Ashar High Command. In the solar system alone, there's over 900 species. Now, this is distributed across a number of worlds that are they don't even disclose and moons such as jupiter jupiter has over 70 moons that are all capable of holding life. for example right and that's a big part of it is that not everyone is advanced there's actually only 80 or only 90 species sorry that are as advanced as you know mankind as competitive on a level so 90 out of 900 most being just animals so that that are intelligent like dolphins things like that like dolphins count that they're on the list You know chimpanzees they're given you know uh non-human personhood basically respect that way right that you you can't affect their evolution or life unless you get permission from even higher up beings now that's that's the kind of relationship we have with these extraterrestrials they do all the thinking they do all the the control and all the decision making we just do all the, the grunt work even when it's highly sophisticated grunt work like operating fleets of naval vessels uh, doing security patrols, on their, their uh, travel lines between here and the moon, keeping the upper atmosphere free from like you know rogue uh, intelligent life forms. The I mean, grays, for example, are huge fucking criminals, uh, poachers. So they are like as they're they're extremely intelligent. They have no morality. They will they if you they will exploit any end that you give them. So you always have to be constantly vigilant for them. And we have enemies actively fighting on Earth or for Earth. Uh, in the orion draco tribes that ended just recently within the last decade but when i was there it was very much a uh, active war zone we had security over it but just like iraq or afghanistan and the the last 20 years having control of something and still you know being guaranteed to survive the next uh, you know through the night are two different things everyone is vulnerable and weapons the way they work if it wasn't for AI, I don't think it would be possible, but AI is absolutely how it's defended and how it's run, how it's managed and how it's uh, basically you know s- uh, structured mm. is to preserve these AI run defense facilities, et cetera. Like I said it's automated. The work of one man is is also helped out by a thousand machines. Mm. You know th- this is solar Warden. this is this is alien technology using Clark Tech anti-gravity. Uh, ships still have crews of a thousand. You know, they they are kilometers long. They they are able to dock and have ships, aircraft inside them that are themselves half a mile in wingspan, and they can have fleets of these that themselves have fleets of UAVs. So the power projection, whether as I said, it's not grunt work, but it is grunt work spiritually to to be running these. Air forces, these these uh, navies, and what they are, space navies, that are operating basically as coast guard. And That's the language of space force. If you are like paying attention to the real life language of space force, that they are operating to protect shipping, they protect e- co- the commerce, the the economy, they protect the moon, and you know more off world priorities than than on world priorities. This is disclosure mm. that that. That's what Solar Warden would do, is, say, protect more Antarctica than, say, continental United States. Right. Continental United States being left to the conventional forces, but Antarctica, that being, you know, highly, highly secretive land, Uh, moon, for example, lunar colonies, Mars colonies, uh, colonies all from space stations that are in orbit, facilities that are on asteroid belts, like Cirrus, in, in the asteroid belt between Jupiter and Mars. These are outposts and colonies that have hundreds of millions of people all added up that rely on Solar Warden and fleets like Solar Warden. There's Dark Fleet. That's Germany. That's not Waffen. That's the survivors of the Third Reich, and they made the Fourth Reich, and they operate as a breakaway civilization. They are on our team, for lack of a better word, but their practices are real oriented and they operate under a goal called the Giza Intelligence Operation, which makes them more allied to the Orion Draco, who pose as their Egyptian pantheon. And they basically are employed as a mercenary crew for immortality. And basically, they're real sciences, which keep them immortal and allow for like psychic communication. Uh, soul bonding and things like that. It helps out their society. They're very real oriented That's why they're not solar warden. They're a distinct faction. There's uh, various different uh, groups like the ICC, the acronym that can mean several things, but it's basically the Interplanetary Corporation Conglomerate or the cartels. They operate as the industrial side of things, merchant mariner craft. Most of the off-world colonists and ships and activity is ICC, for example. This is the business. This is all for the money. This is all dollar-dollar bill. They reap in trillions of of just tons of, of, of raw material, exotic material. They, they operate in this post-scarcity environment. Like I said, this idea that they are operating as a monopoly on trade do <laughs> become... Uh, basically, humans, uh, Dutch East India Company, in outer space, which is what they are. They go to different on, they're they're inhabited, but they're on you know the primitive islands, basically, uh, like you know as, as far as they're concerned, plunder, colonize, loot, set up a little trading post, and then expect you know to be kept secure against any kind of uh, local trouble. Or any kind of piracy, and they hire out these militarized space forces like not and Solar Warden, in which there are several others. Um, generally, this is what the operations uh, that we revolved in. Solar Warden's more defensive, nobler. People can call it nobler, uh, in which it's more altruistic. It's more uh, big picture oriented. It does things like sacrificing itself a little bit more. It's 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 stretching its manpower out so that. Uh, you know, the Earth can be defended. The, the the secret can be kept. However noble you want to think that is. As long as, like, Men in Black, as long as the Earth thinks everything is going okay, they don't care how it's done. There could be fucking a death ray pointed at Earth and there's a space battle, and, these, and I'm saying like, 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 you remember the spaceship shows up in Men in Black and it's like, mm. there's always a fucking death ray. There's always some kind of trilithium thing, a bomb gonna blow up New York City. Always, as long as they don't freak out, as long as we don't freak out, everything can keep going and we'll figure out how to fix it. And we have them men and black are part of it. That's like the domestic, uh, you know, earth FBI type thing, like because there is colonization going on. There are extraterrestrials living on earth currently, the ultra-terrestrials, the too. Uh, it's law and order. That's what like, like the solar war keeps law and order, hmm. whatever you want to say, that's noble or not, they keep the peace and currently there's this like big push to peace but yeah like the the world is is fucking massive it's a big place complicated there are hundreds of players hundreds of factions all going to work right now it's not just one monolithic yeah. thing. Yeah. Currently, the monolithic power is the Ashtar High Command, the Galactic Federation of Light. Right. They are just, well, the undeniably largest and most powerful, most advanced uh, yeah. power that operates through its delegates, its its proxy forces and armies. And there's just hundreds of species that are... Thanks them, by the time they get down to the Venusians and the Ashtar High Command, we are dealing... With like the proxies of the mm. proxy. Well,
0: and that's exactly where I wanted to maybe ask you next, and and I should say, you're absolutely right. I love sitting here and listen to you, you know, describe this because I'm just visualizing it. And to your earlier point,
1: it's like science fiction. Ray Bradbury mm. created right. Star Trek. People don't know this, but he can watch Ancient Aliens on the History Channel. They openly talked about it. he was in contact with a secret society called the Council of the Nine. Right. And the Council of the Nine. Is the Giza Intelligence real Society of the Notwaffen Fleet? who came from the Fourth Reich and owned most of what we know as Hollywood in America uh, for like forty years until they gave the torch to Solar Warden. And I wow. think people don't realize that what you see on TV and what has been called science fiction from Star Wars to Star Trek to uh, all the books like Starship Troopers—that is all published by Faustian luciferian secret society groups that are themselves the very first groups the puppets of the, the strings being pulled because mm. when these societies these extraterrestrial societies intervened in our species they were calling themselves angels or devils ball, and whatever got people's attention they were communicating and telling people what to and how to do it from right. the very start Uh, Look at uh, the Vanderbilt's. The Vanderbilt's built a a train station, right, Grand Grand Central Station. And on the the roof, they used um, all the constellations, the constellations of the horoscope. The horoscope has for thousands of years been used as code for communication with extraterrestrials because it is literally the cosmos and the different zodiacs of the different species literally Physically described as the species that they look like and the values that they represent. Vanderbilt was openly in contact with spirits. He called them spirits, but he thought of themselves, he thought of them as Greek gods. He thought he was communicating with like the Greek gods. These are the extraterrestrials. These have oh. always been the extraterrestrials. From the founding of the Mormon church. To the founding of the fucking United States of America, George yeah. Washington with the contact with spiritual being. That's like like you have, so there is not one point in human history where we were like on our own or doing our own thing. Mm. We have been contested over and fought over between various extraterrestrial forces. Right. We were actually created by these extraterrestrial forces, like the ancient aliens type stuff.
0: Now like, is this where is this where you uh, uh, think that like, the stark and shocking number of missing children and even missing people are ending up? Is this a sort of like part of the secret space program, how they abduct people for various uh, means, maybe darker or yeah, some
1: Part of the deep state, part of the, uh, the secret space program, the abductions, mm. the missing people. Many of the children, for example, uh, it coincided completely with the secret space program's creation of the Solar Warden. In the 70s and 80s, hundreds of thousands of missing kids all across America, right? Kids were very publicly taken, like Johnny Gosh, all these people. Mm-hmm. Yes, a lot of them had very cruel and terrible fates at the hands of the many evil secret societies that operate, the cabalas, the black magicians, but many others, the vast majority of them, were taken to fill up the first ranks of this program. And back then it was a one-way ticket. They didn't have the quantum folding technology that they have today. Like you said, if you look at logic like they were in the 70s. So as technology progressed, they were then able to return kids. And they started being able to return kids around the nineties. That's when child abductions really did drop off. But that was also the end of what they called the satanic panic. The satanic panic, which was how do you get these kids? Through satanic groups. Right. Because who's willing to kidnap a child? Only really a Satanist. Right. So you have to kind of, you had to do all these weird, like, you think they're unconnected. What do small Satan groups that kidnap children have for the CIA have to do with space programs? Well, you need kids to become the pilots for these space programs that, that sacrifice themselves for experiments and things like that. Right. You need a lot of them. Right. And not only that, if you look at it, even a greater perspective of missing people, The Griarta Treaty signed in the 1950s with Eisenhower and the Greys. Treaties are signed all the time between groups that want power and groups that have power, typically at the cost of innocent people. Think of this in terms, though, of a logical politician and businessman. If an intelligent species said they're gonna give you weapons technology, And they're gonna give you uh, anti-gravity, time travel, uh, sciences that are like magic to you. Wi-Fi technology, computers, all this cool. She's in the 50s, right? 50s, you're thinking about the 50s, you're Eisenhower. And it's gonna give you military supremacy. You're gonna be able to beat the Russians, right? And you're like, wow, what do I gotta give you? We only want 0.025% of your population no questions asked just give it to us right we're gonna take them and you don't even have to give them we're gonna take them we're just that's what we want you to agree with though before we start going to area 51 and giving you the ability to build the space force to literally get yourself into the stars on equal footing with the very extras that you're talking to now right like we can fly there we can we can do our stuff you want that power too give us 0.025 percent of your population legally that you can't do anything about it, and you can't ask, it's like, you can't even get mad about it. Like, like spiritually, you have acquiesced to this, you have volunteered to agree to this contract. That Faustian deal was signed, and 0.025% of almost 300 million people is a lot of people, a lot of individual lives, a lot of children, a lot of people taken out of their homes with no answers, a lot of people who were never seen again after going into the parks a lot of people literally who vanished in midair and all that missing four-in-one stuff not keeping records a big part of why like i said because it's easier when you don't even count them
0: mm,
1: right stop being taken they've already signed a deal 50 years ago i can't really like you know say beyond our control because our leadership was agreed to it and you see that kind of runs you know like oh like that's the world we really live in this idea that you know just because a vampire exists and is eating people doesn't mean a vampire couldn't be a senator
0: <laughs> right yeah you know? no i mean or johnny depp or you know like they're definitely people who have made their way through history like the count saint germain you know, you know
1: that kind of- the 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 actors, not not all the actors are human. Very obviously, the transformation, the, the 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 cloaking fails, and you see them for what they are. And then you think maybe that's part of the deal. Maybe this is all part of what I was talking about before—that the Notwaffen, who is real, who works with reptilians and controls Hollywood, has made a deal saying that they can colonize earth. What are you going to do on earth though? You still got to do a job. You still got to live, right? Acting. How is that really even work? No, you'll be uh but Robert Pattinson. You'll be uh Ryan Gosling, you'll be Tom Cruise, you'll be Will Smith. You'll be these people. All that money that's just thrown at you is then used to kind of like, you know, you know, provide for all your desires and urges that aren't necessarily human. Even your privacy and people like the guy from Smashing Pumpkins uh, have said that they have seen with their own eyes people turn reptilian. That, that, yes, that is the thing. It's called a caste system. Not everyone, not every species, wants to do every kind of labor. There are casts of, like say, reptilian entertainers, and that's what they're bred to do. That's what they think anything different besides being stars, celebrities, just worship for their charisma is demeaning to them. So, what deal is made? You know what? Give us access to the reptilian cities under LA. You guys can always live here. You guys always have a home. Every couple of years, just change your face, become a new person, and you'll always be able to eat guinea pigs or, or drink baby blood or whatever the hell you guys want to do. Right? And mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, here are the keys to this reptilian city. And that's the deal that was made. And these idea of deals, Fossey and treaties, deals, secret ET alliances. Well, to add to that, I mean, we, we've we much more common. Every country has one, every group has one, mm-hmm. small towns have them, individual people have made them with other individual extraterrestrials, things like that. People are going to want to talk about it. Yes, hopefully all regulated, but yeah, that's the thing. Like, you know, it we're a part of a very big ecosystem Mm. and and that the world that people think is reality are just lines on a map or just words on a page right they have to open their eyes and see for themselves that we are not alone that they walk amongst us that they live while we sleep just like that movie they live while we sleep and you put on the glasses and you see the glasses you can see for what it is and uh, you see them they're not human but they are in our cities they are in our stores they are operating our banks they're doing things which we think are modern but are really alien invasions hmm. and you people and people have not become the ones because it's happened for so slowly over the course of hundreds of thousands of years or hundreds and thousands of years like banks the idea of banking is an extraterrestrial concept of mimetic invasion. Mm. That was originally pioneered by a species that wasn't entirely human. Right. Maybe a hybrid, they were called the tall whites. This is the thing the idea of pyramid building. These things that we think are human, but yet people don't do naturally. Who's built a city that you know about?
0: Well, and on your point about Los Angeles the word means a city of angels i've seen research that connects uh these like angelic sailor stories to reptilian beings who knows maybe there's something there but to your point about all these variety of species does that account for beings like sasquatch or even maybe more monstrous creatures like you know mothman and loch ness and you know the whole list and you know, I know this is one of your many interests. Are there any cryptids that you think maybe my audience may have never heard of? Because I'm always interested in learning about new cryptids.
1: Absolutely. Uh, cryptozoology, I think, is a big part of it. Like I said, connect a lot of dots. That's a huge pillar of what I do. Like I, A lot of work I, I spend on cryptozoology, finding videos, discussing the theory behind it. Also, the science behind zoology and just biology when it comes to how extraterrestrials work and and how these cryptids work like they're not fantastic when you start thinking about and they make perfect sense it's just that our perspective on nature is very very limited Mm -hmm. we've only explored 85 percent of uh i'm sorry um 15 percent of the ocean 85 percent of the ocean is completely unexplored it is unfair then to say sea monsters are may or may not be real because Eighty-five percent of the ocean is a question mark. We've never been or explored there. To call them a monster and they're a they say the big one, uh, people think America is very well explored. Almost 25 percent of the United States has never been explored except through airplanes or, or satellites. Seventy percent of Spain is uninhabited. Do you know, the idea of geography, the mental pictures are very small. We know everything. Humanity stretches to every corner and our lights block. defeat all the darkness. I think we see and we tame nature. And we have uh, scientists. Most scientists do not get out of the laboratory or the lecture hall. If you want to talk about cryptozoology without going too, too deep into the, to the world of uh, the woo, Watch Extinct or Alive with Forrest Galante on the animal planet. Uh, great show, great host. He's a cryptozoologist because he's hunting animals that science has said were extinct. But he proves, he proves by finding specimens that they are not extinct, just that most of the world is run by academics who don't go to the locations for these animals like the Caribbean monk seal, the Caribbean monk seal lives in the Caribbean Sea, and near the Gulf of Mexico, right off of Florida. They said it was extinct for the last thirty years. He goes to the Caribbean and finds one, still alive. Must not not the only one. The idea though is that science has this pride and and this this like I, they claim because they claim that this is the truth, and it's clearly not. Like Forrest Galante proved that this is it shoots it all through the holes it proves that science has no clue what they're talking about when it comes to the extent of what's there and what's not right what uh, conventional animals like this black tortoise is extinct he goes and finds a black tortoise this the Caribbean monk seal is extinct finds the monk seal dwarf hippopotamus on Madagascar finds the bones where they said there were no bones so you finds a skeleton that's fresh like the idea that this guy is actually going out there and simply going out there you can find proof. Same with cryptozoology throughout the board, but yes, to answer your question, um, why I think that's valid is because yes, a lot of them are extraterrestrials. Many of them are extraterrestrials that are misidentified. Many of them are ultra-terrestrials. I've been talking before, or crypto-terrestrials if we prefer that term. crypto terrestrials being a term uh, more in line with a species that's intentionally keeping itself hidden. Like um, you get to different differentiate. Where's the species that is either rare? or just lives in a far remote and and generally unreachable environment, right? So the idea that cryptids are necessarily beasts, I like challenging that. I think cryptids are proof of an intelligence that is equal to mankind, if not superior, at least in the ways of evasion, or at least in the ways of simply remaining stealth and and, and camouflaged or or in equilibrium with an environment, right? So it is literally uh, the idea that there is much more to nature than simply mankind. Nature did not exist to evolve mankind and mankind alone. Yes, there are winged humanoids. Yes, there are subterranean humanoids. Yes, there are the large, giant humanoids that we would call giant. And in differentiating that, the giant idea, which is always very popular, What is a giant compared to a different breed of human being or a human being at their correct size? The idea that what is a correct size for a human being is a question that I like to ask a lot, like to re to kind of like um, to destabilize the, the notion of cultural relativism or species centrism that human beings are not the center of the Earth. We are not the center of the universe. Our physical form is not perfect, nor is it superior, just by definition. We are creatures of our environment. We are creatures that have created our environment, thus uh, able to sustain ourselves, but only through technology. The idea that creatures couldn't either modify themselves or how evolution works, like the idea behind even that, that needs to be questioned, that needs to be challenged, it needs to be explored. Uh, as In terms of uh, the cryptids and extraterrestrials, the idea that grays are the only extraterrestrial needs to stop. That idea that extraterrestrials are a handful of specific physiological forms needs to stop. That thing that extraterrestrials are all humanoid needs to stop because you cannot properly identify what's an extraterrestrial, and what is it, or even what is alive and what is it when you have preconceived notions of what life needs to look like. Energetic beings, beings of just thought, light, like Capax, you know, like the idea that you're a light beam and you have a personality and you're a persona, plasma beings, all beings that exist on different frequencies of existence, like ultraviolet spectrum or, or radiological spectrum. So like you're a being of pure radiation i.e. heat and, and like, uh, you're, you're, this idea that our simple carbon meat-based biology is all there, like, oh, you know, like, oh, because humans have five fingers, five toes. That's how everyone is, because humans are a certain height in our society. That's how tall everyone gets. The idea that anything different is necessarily monstrous, necessarily uh, uh, unnatural, unnatural, like when you see a Mothman, people being like, oh, how could this unnatural thing exist? And the idea that Mothman might not even be rare, it just might be a very displaced version of itself, like a very, like a lone explorer from a planet full of Mothmen, you know, and on his planet, like he, like, all, all beings have wings and we're like, you know, he's trying to explore our world and thus the men in black are there. They, they correlate the story, good reason bringing bring up a, a Mothman. John Keel, John Keel is very much how, yeah, huge inspiration, he worked on the Mothman Prophecies. He's the one who wrote the Mothman Prophecies. He, he's the one who investigated the, Come, came up with the term Super Spectrum. Super Spectrum to help explain all the fucking weirdness that was going on at that time. The Men in Black, the bridge, the phone calls, injured Cold, the Mothman, all of that was happening at the same time in the same area. But it was was all unique and different, but it was all connected. He just didn't know how. So he called the super spectrum that somehow this was all a part of a super spectrum combining the different involvements of uh, either people having just seen the Mothman once or having injured cold continually visit a person as a contactee. Like those in the Men in Black, for example, being there to silence and suppress and then the bridge collapsed. All of it could be the fact that all these phenomena are, are constantly occurring all around us, and it's only in these weird moments that we start making connections. Or it could be that none of it really is um, distinct, that the whole phenomenon could be like bleeding worlds, it's like where one universe is entering another universe, and that we're, we're seeing uh, a multiverse-type thing. We're seeing an alternative Earth right, with the Bigfoot sightings. Uh, but we are seeing alternative evolution of mankind, or maybe even having already dealt with that, uh, time, like uh, a quantum disruption, forced both species to live together. And because they live in the woods and the mountains, their society is uh, kept secret and coexist with ours, except for the odd transgression. Um, as far as Bigfoot goes, I know for a fact The Yeti, the idea of the Sasquatch. Human being, uh, unshaven, higher testosterone for the amount of body hair and size, but human, Neanderthal, uh, considered whatever subspecies of human, but absolutely human of mind, human of ability. They have cities, they have culture, they have high society, they have technology. The ones we see, the ones we see are equal to our native... uh, uh, aboriginal people, um, uh, the uncontacted tribes of the Amazon or the Papua New Guinea uh, the cargo cult type, sa- uh, you know, I don't want to call them savages, but the idea that they walk around shoeless and basically buck naked in the wild picking and foraging berries, but the society, the species, is capable of very high cognitive functions and organs. They have cities that exist beneath the Rocky Mountains and beneath the forests of many national parks. They try to live with a carbon neutral impression. Thus they aren't giving off pollution signatures. They aren't giving off massive heat signatures from cities that are operating with like manufacturing and and they don't they don't have capitalism. And because they don't have capitalism, their society is in no way or shape or form organized like our own, where trucks have to shake goods. Uh, from settlement to settlement to make profits and that everyone has to get up at 9 a.m. to go to work and because they have to go to work for eight hours because everyone has to go to work because they all have to pay rent and the capitalists, they don't have to do that. Whatever society they have, which is still a mystery, you know, I'm not claiming to know their society, but I know it's not what we have. And because of that, we are blind to it. And the, the everyday person, our governments know uh, you know they are. They communicate from the highest level. These these anthropologists, government scientists, um, groups that are like government science uh, groups, like the uh, national resources and and national parks level, uh, the different schools and and societies like Freemasons. It's very easy to think of that. Like there's an anthropologist Freemason. They're very intelligent people, right? Well, obviously he volunteers to keep the secret because he's a Freemason. And it's all kind of like, yeah, it's easier when you think that. Why would a scientist keep a secret? He's a Freemason. If he tells anyone they're gonna slit his throat, and, and you know, and you're like, What yeah? And so it's but he also gets to talk to Bigfoot, so that's a career, you know, like you never get another opportunity like that, right? So take it. So no, we have this. There's do you know one of the biggest Bigfoot hotspots is San Antonio, Texas? And do you know that's a very famous Bigfoot hotspot? Because there was an anthropologist who confessed to being paid by the government to go and communicate with active populations of Bigfoot during wildfires and droughts and during, uh, you know, wild hazards and things like that, basically to make sure that there was a uh, uh, good diplomacy, basically. and I know it sounds weird because you're like, why would it be diplomatic to to animals? They're not animals. They're Native Americans. Think of it that way that they're, they're still living in their old ways. But the thing is, their society, that, that little group was just a fringe of a much larger, much better organized society with high culture, with deep values, with intelligent designs to how to organize and function, rituals, things like that. What you would know is distinctly human. No question about it, human. Right? Like, say, yeah, they don't wear shoes. I don't wear shoes most times. I, get, I take you to a forest in Oregon, and, and there's a woman named Melon Raindrop Turtle, and she doesn't wear shoes nor shave her legs, and she'll have a baby in a river. And if you saw that, you would think, like well, we, we saw Bigfoot, <laughs> a less hairy Bigfoot, a smaller Bigfoot. Like say, if you found her little tracks on the riverbank as she was doing laundry on a stone, you would think that the society... It must be Stone Age and Primitive. No, we go to space. We have rocket scientists and like heart surgeons and like NASCAR. I was saying like we have like you know, we late stage capitalism problems. That's a choice. That's a lifestyle choice. And we can't identify that the Bigfoots and Sasquatch that we see are making lifestyle choices based on the educated cultural uh, decisions of an intelligent primate. When you saw Betty at uh, a uh, when you saw uh, the Ruby Ridge Bigfoot walking around with knockers and, and the you know what is that was a hippie Bigfoot Patty, woman Patty doing her freaky hippie thing yeah on the when you saw that you interrupted her her mushroom trip just like if you would go to Coachella or uh, you know we have music festivals all around the world like if you went to one of was like fish concerts and saw a woman like just butt naked walking around the forest you know you wouldn't think oh this is how they all look like this is the limit this is the like they all look like right. and you see the drawing of a woman like with hairy armpits and hairy legs you're like i, I saw this i don't know <laughs> all women shaved i can't explain why they're covered in hair they must all be covered in hair all the time yeah and i proved it by not shaving my beard for a year or two and it was about this long and you couldn't see through it i said if a man did that for all his life you couldn't see through this hair covering mm, that's a if, great if, point if i've Calvin never william level hairy dude never shaved in his like life mm. you would think he's bigfoot
0: well I, i've never considered it quite like that and yeah i think that's a compelling take i mean i i definitely they have, have read stories, stories. They
1: have helicopters they have cities they have mm. a, a higher advanced level theory and philosophy and organization is that their their culture is not based on monetary acquisition, Mm. cargo cultism, things that we identify as human and in terms of evolution, like uh, just looking at your studio right now, I see you have a bookshelf, I see you have art and decorations, I see you have things that are important to you as identified. What if Bigfoot never really lived like that? And just his the like natural world was more prioritized, right? Like the the. the it's hard. I say like, it's so different because yeah. mankind is so different. Well,
0: and there are stories of, to back up what you're saying in the Native American folklore as well. You know, the group, the stories of you know groups of giants that lived in other places, hospitable places that men shouldn't go. You know, because they maybe well, didn't get along in most cases with these giants, like, but.
1: I've said before, our evolution is not natural, and mankind, if it looks at itself in a mirror, cannot then look at nature and hope mm. to see its reflection. Because mankind is about unnat- as unnatural as a bulldog is as to nature. No, it is. And that to see a wolf in its natural environment, a bulldog would have a lot of questions. Mm. It would. Yeah. A bulldog is genetically 99.9% similar to a wolf. They are, in fact, very closely related. You know, like the the most closely related animals you're going to probably find. You know, it's not a cat. It's not a bear. It's a dog, right? So dog and dog. But the qualities, the nature, the society, the, the everyday existence of a wolf, right? The physical proportions, the shaggy coat, the snout, the teeth, all of that is not the world or the biology are the nature of the bulldog, because the bulldog has been bred by intelligent beings, mankind, to not be natural, to be a companion and work animal for our desire and for our pleasure. It had no say in the fact. It was involuntarily bred. No human being volunteered for this. We have been bred on a genetic level and it's not like we were forced into bathing programs, they just took our genetic level and in test tubes produced generations of clones that became homo sapien. Yeah. And they, through time, carefully engineered us, not only physically, but mentally. Why are we hairless? Why are Bulldogs' faces short? You just breed that trait into them. Right. What we're seeing with Sasquatch is a more natural man, a mm. man that is not Enslaved by his very genetics, and I yeah. say enslaved by our genetics, not because. Well, you can, can even look, look at you bulldog forever genetically. Mm. That gene, I like that. It's it's existentially you're locked in.
0: Well, look at a boar compared to a pig. You know, I mean, there's exactly. a great case if you exactly. leave a pig out long enough in the wild, it'll become a boar again. You know, especially if it. If it you know sp- stays out there for generations, but yeah, that's that's a really interesting take on that that I haven't heard in many places. So yeah, Mike, I, I appreciate you. Uh, share that Now, as far as the Bigfoot cities go, I mean, Mount Shasta sounds like it would be a likely place. Uh, the Rocky Mountains. Are there any other, like, strange hot spots that maybe people don't know as much about? I think those are, like, Skinwalker Ranch, everybody knows about that. What are some, like, lesser-known strange paranormal sites that you've learned about?
1: Well, I'll, I'll, just for kind of some brevity, because there are so many brevity, uh, northern Canada, mm. extreme northern Canada, and Alaska. Right. Of course, those things they're not that rare when you actually stop thinking about it because Alaska is so popular now with the Alaskan triangle with things like that, but the entire northern Arctic Circle in Canada, very, very uninhabited, huge, huge landscapes, like that that the history of which is intentionally Obfuscated and obscured because there's so much unexplainable things that happen up there that they'd rather just not talk about it right. and keep all the attention on the states, which are much more easy to control. So even though we're 25% unexplored, Canada is a country that is like Russia, mostly uninhabited tundra mm. and mostly old, old, ancient, old forests um, that wouldn't follow the mind of their ancient, like you know, just roots. And, and to be honest, that's probably. As close to, like, in my own knowledge of it, as annihilation, or the, uh, I think that uh, time, the, the, the land time forgot, because in terms of human civilization and human cultivation, like, you, so Brazil, if you look at the Amazon rainforest. It's being discovered now that that regrew over cities, that regrew over human plots, like the Amazon rainforest. Mm. So even that is like yeah. as ancient as the old pine forests of like northern Canada, Slave Lake, Yukon-esque highlands, and and people don't want to talk about hyperborea. They don't want to talk about these these ancient, these uh, these alien cities that operate so and bigfoot cities, civilizations. That is prime land for them to operate in. And it's not unimaginable that it's kept completely secret through the same apparatus, like I said, individuals and private families and uh, companies, corporations rather than states that have the land. People don't know this, but Canada was almost completely explored and colonized by a fur trading company called the greater Canadian fur Trapper company they were they were a uh, offshoot of the Dutch East India Company they were in the British royalty as a private corporation and a venture they they themselves have m- most of the responsibility in suppressing information about Bigfoots and the history that they discovered in Canada and most of the American forests remember during the Louisiana Purchase there's territory stretched all the way to the Gulf of Mexico um, their trappers and explorers are probably some of the only human eyes that have ever seen the full extent of the North American landscape. And it stayed that way uh, because they all became observed by the national parks. It all became nationalized by the national parks. But that is the first, like Arthur C. Clark, not like Lewis and Clark um, expeditions and explorations into the country. And I'm 100% sure. That all of it has been obscured and the entire history of Native Americans is a cover up, is a complete falsification for what they truly found out there. Uh same as the mound builders, the mound builders in America, in the United States, like uh evidence and proof of advanced civilization capable of building monuments, but it's completely obscured and then not talked about at all. And in fact, like whenever has mentioned it's considered pseudoscience and things like that. Same thing. I would say that that's a big, big area to explore. Northern Canada. Mm. Wow. Huge mystery. Yeah. Most of of the forested areas of Canada. No doubt. For example, they have a thing called the Granite Shield. The Mm. Granite Shield is the largest single piece of granite in the world in which you could build an impenetrable labyrinth or city inside that rock just like you could do anywhere. But the, the idea that it's basically... Larger than the continental United States, and is a single piece of granite. Wow! So, I'm saying that, 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 I'm not saying I know for a fact what would be in there or what is in that area, but yeah, it's it's on the radar top ten of mine for for places that are not talked about but are highly mysterious and and uh, should be investigated. Like everyone wants to go to the deserts, everyone wants to go to uh, places. Uh, like in inside the continental United States or inside the Western world, I would say Northern Canada, Africa, Africa is a big part of it. Patagonia, Patagonia and South America is a big, uh, a nice little explorable part. They, they still say giants live in Patagonia. I believe it. I, I would absolutely believe it. The mountains over there are still. I mean, you, you can say you explored them. You can say you own them, but. Yeah, I mean, that's just a line on a map, right? I mean, right. that's what i Like, they have the Rocky Mountains in South America with almost nobody on them. And it's mm-hmm. like, it stands to reason that these mountain ranges are the perfect, perfect hiding spots for breakaway civilizations. Like, uh, there could be surviving Incas. There could be surviving uh, uh, Aztecs. Like, I know for a fact there are surviving Aztecs in the jungles. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are there a whole various other cultures and civilizations like the tartarians the uh, the uh, you know moo Mu. Right. Mu could still be in an absolute still existence well, you could have, to
0: your point uh, about the, using right. biology you know when we have biology when we look at biology as our you know so many strange things. There are actual mountains where only s- certain species that are indicative to that mountain exist because the mountains so isolated and there's an entire Ecosystem that exists on top of that. So to your point. Yeah, I don't doubt that at all There are stories of Magellan coming across giants, and that's why he named Patagonia what it is It actually means the land of Giants. So land of
1: giants. yeah Exactly. Like, like people think those places are explored because they're in Argentina, mm, that means right. nothing. Yeah. realistically, that means nothing. They have no real presence there. Like this is an untamed wilderness, mm. and like to say what what could possibly be in there. Um, to put people in perspective, the like Woodward TV talks about this a lot. Love that YouTube channel, like Woodward TV. Interviewed him uh, earlier in my own career. He says that giant creatures like Kaiju, like Godzilla, if you thought about the scale that's presented, right, like the official canon scale, a creature like that could easily live and exist in over a hundred regions in the world that are national, like the Gobi Desert, Siberia, and just have free reign to move wherever they chose and still never encounter a human being. Wow. There are there are national parks in China that are huge rainforest mountainsides. There are entire islands in Indonesia without names. It's like without names, there are thousands of islands in the Philippines and Indonesia, uh, different coves that literally have no names in the 21st century because they're unexplored. Uh, if it was an oceanic environment, just to say the oceans, like as a big, like what's what's mysterious? All of the oceans, all of them. We need to start. If anything. If I had the, if I had the power of uh, the, the Thanos, and I, everyone had to listen to me, or I'm going to snap the glove, right? And I was like, okay, get to work on one thing: exploring the oceans as a society and as a species. That is the biggest mystery in the final frontier. Uh, not only do I know it's not explored, but there are obviously intelligent uh, creatures that are human or humanoid uh merfolk uh either the aquatic ape theory which is extremely popular and the idea of divergence of species but just the 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 sheer possibilities that exist on the bottom of the on the ocean and in the ocean in terms of, of fauna and just environmental like you know um, oddities to be discovered like it's space it's the final frontier You don't even need to go to space, just go into the ocean. It's much wilder, it's much more difficult to explore. It has intelligent life in there. Like I said, that is a space within a space, and our space, outer space, is like an ocean in many, many ways not just metaphorically, but physically. The same medium, uh, liquid medium that you have transverse through. That, yes, that. In many ways, they intersect. The exploration of the oceans is the same spirit as the exploration of space. Mm. And and that needs to be, like I said, the one power to make people see that, like open their eyes and start like immediately today working on it would be the exploration of the oceans, Not seeing them merely as something to exploit or fish or uh, pollute or just as an inconvenience to sail across, but you know, to really take our time and put as much funding and energy into exploring and mastering. Like, like We are already in that phase, and people don't even know it, that there are undersea colonies, that there are undersea cities, that there's gonna be undersea mining, that there are people who are gonna be born under the ocean, that there are gonna be people who are dying under the ocean that they are going to call it a full-time settlement and colony. Chinese are going to do it. Um, it's a big part of what they're doing in Southeast Asia. Americans are going to do it. Americans have already been doing it. Uh, private companies are doing it without national, without nationality, without flags. Uh, industrialized societies like British Petroleum, um, ExxonMobil, a lot of other various ventures like Halliburton, things like that. The U.S. military has already been doing it, and they've been doing it for a long time. Like, the idea is, yeah, just as much importance going and exploring Mars, going and exploring the, the surface of the moon, of uh, the asteroids and all that, Jupiter, all that good shit. Same as the oceans. And if not more, because, of course, they are right next to us. But they literally are the most alien environment you could ask for. You know, and, and I personally live with an eyesight of it. You know, like, it's, it's just like space when you look up. And you see the stars, and you're like, what's out there? I look at the ocean the same way. I'm like, what is out there?
0: Yeah. And
1: that's that's something I think is always neglected. People don't talk about sea monsters enough. People don't talk about mermaids enough. People don't talk about the oceans enough. And when they do talk about it, they, they kind of like, oh, we know. Remember, that, remember when we were ignorant and we didn't know about the oceans and sailors told scary stories? They weren't. They were The sailors were trying to get you to see what, like, trying to get you to understand why they were mm. like, you know, like, they, they were the way they were. If you saw a giant squid attack a boat, you'd be a drunk too. Like that you drink a lot of rum afterwards and sit in the bar and tell anyone who would want to listen to you that you saw a squid attack a boat. Like that's just like you know, it stays with you. Like the HP Lovecraft psyche, that, that mentality, absolutely ahead of his time and completely accurate. Well, and, and- you even have it. Idea of what's going on in the ocean.
0: To your point, H.P. Lovecraft. You know, he lived in uh, a place where there was a lot of sailing going on. New England, where I'm from, a lot of communities along the coast had, you know, big careers whaling and sailing to all these various ports and importing goods. And
1: he wasn't a layman either. He was a very high level occultist, Mm. not in a society, but self educated. I think a lot of people when they look at H.P. Lovecraft, think of him as a purely imaginative writer. He, like, way ahead of his time, of many people like him, were modern men of logic and science. They were modern men of education, and they were dealing with the existential crisis of learning that our, that our world has always been a lie, that what we think of our supremacy is just us on a little island in the middle of a dark ocean, and it's not meant for us to travel very far. You know, like that—that that saying. He think of the heavy shit H. P. Lovecraft is dropping in 1920. Stranger eons, death may die. Like, like just the the, the Antarctic cities. Antarctic cities created by extraterrestrials that have monstrosities in them. That the explorers were encountering at the Battle of Madness and stuff like that, like the uh, M- mountain of Madness, the idea that the mountains, like, like, like I said, it's I,
0: perplexing. I yeah, it blows your mind.
1: stop really think about. It. You're. I'm not the only one. There have been many more like me. It's just my turn. It's my turn to tell the truth. However, well, and- only mad that makes me appear to be. Like in the Necronomicon, there is that howling mad Arab who has to write the Necronomicon because uh, of the contact with Jinn. No, like that. The, the, the idea of the lore, like when it when you become aware, it is seen as a madness. It is seen as an obsession. Right. And yes, it has a very existential horror to it. But that is mankind facing the unknown. But it's not. Facing the true unknown, which would just be the dark shadow, it is knowing, but not knowing enough. I know what aliens look like. We say we saw the great old things. Just that raises fucking thousands of more questions. Is that a hand? What? What is like a starfish with wings? What? Like, Do they eat people? Why is that guy's brain in a jar? Like The idea, of the question, that that's the existential horror. Mm-hmm. Is that you don't have answers for what you're actually seeing, and then like I said before. the the, the idea of the Shogun or or Cthulhu or his uh, his, his descriptions of the elder things that's unintentional horror he's just biologically trying to describe the nature of intelligent life as encountered that it wasn't simple it wasn't easy it wasn't pretty these things were non-human they were alien and that means what it means they don't look anything like anything on Earth looks like. They don't react or behave or are motivated by anything that you understand. And in fact, don't even try to because you're working with an incomplete... Like I say, don't even try to make sense of the sheer complexity of the universe. Those that like the idea that you're trying to make sense of something that even... Even they don't make sense of. Like I said, like you're trying to, to come up with the answers of the gods. Mm. And I said to think of things in this monotheistic or, or monolithic understanding where you're like you're supposed to have complete understanding of God mm. is, is, I think, part of the matrix prison that secret societies are hypnotized and people with that you're supposed to have answers. There are no answers, I think, ultimately at the end of the day. And I think even the wisest human being to have ever lived has. Very little idea of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And even then, still made him intelligent enough, at least, to, at least to wonder why, at least to ask why. But whether or not there was ever an answer to be had, that's, that's, that bridges the gap between ufology, cryptozoology, extraterrestriology, whatever you would call it, like crypto, uh, crypto-terrestriology, uh, occultism uh demonology—it bridges all of it, which is mankind staring at the universe and trying to explain it, trying to answer the great question, which is like, "What is it? What is all of it? What is what is this thing we call the universe?" Right, and, and
0: like, it's a big question, Mike. Yeah,
1: we, like, so we we are definitely not the center of it. We're <laughs> definitely not the center of the universe. Listen, like that's why I always want to make point clear is that. Even though we're much more advanced and involved in, than people want to admit or disclose and, and and that itself is controversial, that disclosure is controversial, that we are definitely not the center of the universe. We are not in control. Mm. We are not in charge. Right. We're not the superior life form or the superior being. We are along for the ride. We are trying to survive. And the only hope we have is if we work together, as if we do our best to Tell our stories to save each other's stories, and to respect everyone's uh, discoveries and efforts. Like, like now is not the time to try to play king of the hill or, or or monkey on the mountain or whatever he called it as a kid, where you're trying to fight everyone else and, and right. last man standing's gonna be the best. Like, you know, you win whatever the hell. Like, you win a game, no one's playing. Well, like, right. no, now we're, it's time to really make progress when it comes to this conversation. Uh, like everyone who, who has an alien abduction experience, get that out. Write that down. Uh, talk about it. Put it on YouTube, something. Save it for the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like I said, when you're gone, it, it, it becomes it, it becomes lost. Exactly. Like the big thing why I put the public archives on there. Because,
0: well, and tell people, because we are coming towards the end of our, our podcast, tell people where they can go to get more information on all this because clearly we've just touched. The tip of the iceberg here there's so much more to get into and you're putting that together on beyond top secret texan that's a podcast feed just type that in and i'm sure you'll find it i found it right away when i used podcast addicts so they're not censoring you there that's a good place maybe for you to recommend to your audience but yeah tell us tell us where we can uh, follow up with this because dude impressive stuff i'm sitting here compelled there's so many so many angles we could take but unfortunately we're coming towards the end of our our time i'd love to have you back on in the future but let us know where we can uh we can follow and subscribe
1: well, I would definitely love to come back. Always appreciate it. I have to Thank be invited you. on. And like I said, we'll do this again, and we'll have a more focused and concentrated conversation, make more progress. Yeah. You know, well, passion. and
0: this is a great way to, to, to get awesome. to know you, you know. I think sometimes that's how these first conversations go. It's oh, a little yeah. mix of everything, kind of
1: you know. And, and they feel, but no, I hope that that made more sense than when it sounded like, you know, <laughs> hopefully it makes more sense with it, Yeah. Yeah, no, you know, I, I, always kind I of hear you. Like, you don't even hear what I'm saying. I kind of get in these zones. Because there's so much to explain, you know. Like, there's so much... You're trying to make sense of like, I hopefully we have a part two, we have a part three to kind of focus on and talk about these things in greater detail. Yeah, find me on Linktree. Linktree, obviously, everyone knows that only link you're going to need Linktree slash Beyond Top Secret Texan. One word, all lowercase, Beyond Top Secret Texan. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all the social platforms, all the uh merch uh, websites like my which is uh, my my free episodes all up there on my own website, or you can use Spotify, Apple uh, Tunes. I think there's like fifteen, maybe twenty different providers. I always find new providers, but Linktree slash Beyond Top Secret Texan is going to be the only link you're going to need to use to find all of that. My Patreon, my uh, TikTok, my Instagram, uh, merch store, all of that are on there. Is a Linktree slash Beyond Top Secret Texan only link you're going to need. So. Thank you very much for having me on, Mark. Uh been great. Love your podcast and what it's been doing with the Alt Media United. That co-op is great. Does a good service. Uh you're doing great work. Thank now, you. I see, see your guys are doing great work. I have am uh, planning to listen to a lot more of your episodes. Listen to a few of them today. Cool. Like what I heard. Uh, right on. episode from Gen Z.
0: Yeah, from Dave's Gen real cool.
1: Episode. Yep. So uh, definitely, definitely uh, looking forward to hearing more of your work as well. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Mike. And a real pleasure to talk to you. For everyone listening, thank you for tuning in and have a great moment wherever you are in the now. Wow. That's all I have to say, folks. Wow. Didn't get a word in much this interview, but that's all right. The guest had a lot to say, and there's so much more to hear. Go over to Beyond Top Secret Texan and check out everything Mike has to say. Very compelling guy. Very, very high-level recall. He's definitely knowing... Excuse me. He definitely knows how to paint a picture, that's for sure. Uh, Like I said, a, a man of few words this interview, but... Yeah, I think Mike has a lot on his mind. I mean, and how could you not? If what he's saying is true and he's really undergone all those things, I certainly wouldn't want to say no. Certainly wouldn't want to be the guy to not hear someone like this out and maybe miss out on this whole side of the world that's out there just beyond beyond the firmament or beyond the stars. Beyond the clouds, whatever your world view is. Me, I don't really care. On to more important things. Definitely fascinating to hear Mike's take on Sasquatch. Wow, I'd never considered that the Sasquatches that we see above ground are like the wild, hairy versions of a giant species of <clears throat> maybe less hairy Sasquatch underground I don't know I'm kind of imagining like a Planet of the Apes situation where they're all dressed up in robes and they have a government and wars and all kinds of stuff but who knows definitely sci-fi heavy episode makes you want to go and watch some sci-fi stuff hey if you're into watching cool stuff I recommend Tubi TV Uh, it's free you gotta watch some corny weird ads but you can definitely um, definitely find some really interesting stuff there, especially if you like sci-fi. Me, I'm into weird classics every now and then. I'll find a weird classic film or just an old film that no one's ever seen before and check it out on Tubi. But Oh, cool. Speaking of Bigfoot, Tony Merkel, friend of the show, The Confessionals Podcast just put out a new episode, The Bigfoot Summoner. Damn. TikTok Terrence, the Bigfoot Summoner. Pretty cool stuff. Anyways, what an episode with Mike. Um, a lot going on this week, folks. I just had a fun conversation with the boys on Illuminati Confirmed. Stay tuned for that. That'll be coming real soon. And of course, we're going to do an extended outro. If you're listening to this uh early release on patreon uh you might not get the extended outro because i haven't recorded it yet this is an early early release okay but if you're listening to this on the free rss feed please go over to the patreon support the show and help us out keep the show going help pay for all the cool things that go into creating a show like this like the electricity bill and the wi-fi bill and the um zoom bill the podcast host it's just you know i can go on and on folks you don't need to hear it all the more reason to support the show otherwise i will be putting my name on indeed on linkedin and finding another job oh yeah who knows just kidding podcasting for life and we have grown incredibly so many awesome folks listening to the show we just hit 500,000 downloads this past weekend so really really proud of that and onward from here let's hit a million we're only a couple months away at this rate and we will have a million total downloads wow fuck with that a million total downloads anyways folks thank you so much for being here thank you for tuning in uh whether you're hearing an extended outro or not after this who knows so i'll just say it have a great moment wherever you are in the now peace